Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. Twenty twenty three. Don't get caught unprepared. Twelve new HR laws that every employer needs to know about. Okay, so this is a this is a huge topic. There's there's no way we're going to get through twelve of these in one hour. So we're going to break this show up into two different segments. We're going to tackle the first six HR legislative uh, changes and trends today, uh, and we're going to do a follow up uh, with the remaining six. But I, I'd say all employers need need to watch this. This is really really important information. Uh, and if you're a regular watcher of the show, uh, you know, you know, my guest, Mary Simmons, uh, uh, the, the perfect person to help unpack this information. If you don't, uh, Mary is the vice president of HR consulting here at Assure. Uh, she's a SHRM certified professional. Also for the past eight years, Mary has been an adjunct professor, professor at the New York Institute of Technology. Uh, prior to Assure, Mary was the director of HR consulting for a 55 year old HR consulting firm in New York. Welcome back, Mary. Thanks, Mike. Okay, so lots of topics. We're going to just jump right into it. So uh, the first big change that employers, and this is like super black and white, they got to know about it. There's changes to the I-9, right? And no one's exempt from this. Yes. Tell, t- tell everybody, maybe set the, <laughs> for people who don't think, that, might not think that they have to do I-9s, real brief, what is an I-9? Why must they comply? But then specifically, what are the changes? Sure. So absolutely. And we did a full uh, webinar on this and we started with, hey, this might seem boring, but every employer has to fill out an I-9 for any employee who was employed after 1986 when the I-9 form was created. And that I-9 form is proving eligibility to work in the U.S., not citizenship, which a lot of employers believe. And besides filling this out, Mike, on our other webinar, of course, we went over how to do it correctly. Um, it's, it's not super difficult, but if you're audited and it's filled out incorrectly, the fines are relatively high. Um, so what's happening in 2023 is that if you look at your I-9 form, it expired in October 2022. Um, So you need to continue to use that form. Um, And you might wanna make a note someplace um, to yourself that when you go back to audit five years from now, your your I-9s that If it looks like you were using an expired form, you were, but the government didn't provide you with a new one. So um, that's that's a big deal that you need to keep using an expired form because that's all you have to use. And they um, are saying ICE, who governs uh, the I-9s, is saying that they will be creating a new form 
and more importantly, a new process because they're listening to the employers, because we have so many remote employees. Yeah. Number one, they expend, extended some of the flexibility for verifying your I-9 until July 31st of this year, but they are proposing that there may be some of those flexibilities as a permanent rule going forward when they bring out this new form, which if, if, if those of you who remember the I-9 form was one page, then it went to two pages. One of the changes they're saying is it, it hopefully will be back to one page. Yet to be seen though, Mike. Beyond just, uh, you know, cosmetics going from two pages to one possibly um, and conceptually including uh, uh, having ha- providing for remote uh, vir- virtual workers. Do you have any, any insight into what the specific change is going to be? Like, is it uh, h- how I can now electronically provide verification versus I got to come in with my driver's license or my, my, my verification documentation? But do, do, what, what insight? I mean, those is- are, at this point, those are all guesses. The only thing okay. that, that they're really saying, and they, they open it up for a comment um, period, right, for employers to add comments. And SHRM, of course, the Society of Human Resource Management, yeah. um, tends to be pretty loud on that, and I'm pretty involved with them. Yeah. So definitely the things that I've already stated are things that you probably will see. But at this point, we're just guessing. More flexibility, right. one page easier to complete because right now any empty category you're supposed to put na for not applicable if you're not putting something in there like middle name if you don't put a middle name you're really right now on the current form supposed to put na um and they're thinking of changing that so right now those are some of the things that they're talking about but of course you know everything that we say right now uh is a guess Got it. Until that so, form comes out. So what we do moves. know is, and this, Homeland Security is the is the governing body here, right? For I nine. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so home, so Homeland Security has has come out and said there's going to be changes to I nine. They've signaled that these are the categories of the changes. Until we have it in our hands, we just don't know the specifics. But our guidance to employers is there's. There's very few things in your business from an HR perspective more important than an I-9. That's just a drop-dead business requirement that you can get a lot of hot water for not doing it right. So be on the lookout. That's right. These changes are coming in 2023, right? 100%. And, you know, we, you and I will be doing a webinar in the very near future on E-Verify, right. which has a lot to do, you know, is, is how the government has set up a a portal for you to verify your I-9s on E-Verify. I I encourage everybody to look for that webinar because um, I think E-Verify can help employers make those I-9s process just a little bit easier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so more to come on Topic number that. two. Uh, anything else on I-9s that our audience needs to understand, do you think, for right now? No. Okay. I don't think so. So topic number two, and we've, we've hit on this before, but I want to get, maybe go a little deeper. Um, uh, unions are on the rise, right? Uh, so what is it that employers need to understand about uh, th- this? I'd say there's a, 
There's a both a, maybe a mega trend, but there's also that they need to be aware of. But this isn't just conceptual. There's legal stuff that's actually happening uh, around unions and employers need to understand this. What, what are these changes? Hundred percent. So first, you know, just to give some statistics, election petitions are up. Were up fifty eight percent in two thousand twenty one, and in two thousand twenty two, they didn't have the stats yet, but it's even higher than fifty eight percent. I've never seen those numbers that high in my thirty some odd years in human resources. So it's really high, and you're seeing some. I think unusual businesses unionizing, right? Grocery workers, uh, retail workers. But beyond that, Mike, you know, you, you may be listening to this and saying, well, my workers will never unionize. And, and that might be so. Uh, first of all, you know, you want to take some preemptive actions. We're always talking about what can you do for your employees? How can you keep your employees, right? Um, Keeping your employees happy, staying on the cutting edge of what your competitors are offering for benefits um, and trying to really look at your population and customizing the benefits and your offerings. You know, should you be offering more days off or should you pay more towards their medical benefits? Right. That's going to be different depending on the population that you currently have. But if your employees are happy and engaged and you are meeting, you know, those requirements and being competitive, you're much less likely for your employees to want to unionize. So be preemptive uh, when it comes to, you know, preventing that union coming in. But the other thing that I want to say is there are a lot of laws around what you should and should not or can and cannot do when a union is starting to form in your organization and Amazon and Starbucks really got into some hot water, Mike, because yeah, right. they were going about interfering, right? And look, that's that's a really big word, right? Well, how did I interfere, right? Um, but you really have to be careful on how can you lawfully uh, speak to your employees about whether they should unionize or not. It's very, very strict. So even if you don't, your employees don't vote to unionize, you can still be fined for unlawfully interfering with them trying to unionize. So yeah, be right. very careful and seek an expert's advice. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's a lot here. There, there's, to a, there's a ton. And, yeah. and, and here's my fear that I, I fear that too many people could hear this topic and think, oh, doesn't apply to me. Right. Um, the problem is, and this is not political. This is I promise it's, it's it's not. It doesn't matter which if you're if you're Republican, Democrat, it is very, very clear. The continuum of the legal structure of our country is slowly over time protecting employee employee rights more. We are not taking a position we're pro or anti-union here. We're not. We're just observing and sharing, sharing the information, right? Um, but I think what you said is just so important. It's We understand why employers would want to have less friction between them and their employees to negotiate directly with employees and not want to have to deal with union. I get that. Also understand why employees want to have 
protection and a voice, right? We get that too. The, I think the, mo- the best advice we could probably give here is, A, be aware of the legal changes. If these things start happening in your organization, you cannot interfere and there is a legal process that you must go through. And then number two, the best way to be proactive is if your employees feel heard and they feel like they're part of the decision-making process, they'll take tough news if they feel like there's transparency and honesty and they're part of the, part of the solution. Um, it's when they feel excluded and feel like decisions are made that benefit, say, the business and not them in the perceived dark, dark smoky room, that's when you start getting in trouble. So the very best thing you could possibly do as an employer is to just establish high trust highly communicative relationships with your employees and a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. We, we try to encourage our employers to do um, employee surveys as often as possible. You got to take the temperature of the happiness of your employees. And that's, I'm, I'm oversimplifying that for sure, but everybody can recognize that a happy, engaged workforce is a more productive workforce. You know, that, that yeah. you know, mood, that culture is infused towards your clients, right? So if your employees aren't happy, they're not being happy towards your clients and that's, you know, never gonna be good for you. So, you know, in, in every aspect, and we talk about it all the time, you know, look at your employee population, ask them, are they happy? What would they like? You might not be able to do everything they want. You know, you're not giving them a 20% increase, but it's worthwhile asking them. And then you need to honestly get back to them. Here's the feedback we got. Here are the things we can make changes on. These things we can't right now, but Going forward, we still want to hear from you. Communication, transparency is always going to be um, more beneficial for the employer and the employees. Yeah, very good. Anything else on unions before we move to number three? No, I and I think number three is sort of tied to that employee happiness. <laughs> yeah, so an unstable economy increases. Happiness. Yeah, turnover in an unstable economy. So uh, this one isn't quote unquote, a legal change in the HR world, uh, but clearly, I mean, you look at the the tech Silicon Valley layoffs that are happening right now. Um, uh, You watch YouTube (laughs) and and you might, you might uh, reasonably think the economy is about to go into free fall. What I would say is whether we're going to have recession, not recession, layoffs, not layoffs there, there is just this sea of change and sea of uncertainty in the economy and HR laws, uh, supply demand curves of, of the workforce uh, in this. It's the instability that impacts turnover. So what is your guidance here, Mary? Yeah, so, of course, um, you know, inflation, you know, today there was a big announcement that inflation is down. Um, which is good, but it's still trending higher than the average raises. So um, some of the studies, uh, you know, asking employers, what do they think they're going to be giving for raises next year? The average is about 4%, which is still less than inflation. So last year, inflation was around 7%. Again, it's dropping. Uh, I think the statistics this morning were around 56 so inflation is still trending higher. So 
part of this education that we're trying to help employers with is what should you be strategically and tactically planning for 2023 within your HR function? And raises are always a huge part, Mike. So yeah. if you know that your raises are going to be less than inflation, right, which, which you know, isn't going to make employees happy, what are you going to do? Right. So some suggestions may be that you do want to do those employee surveys. You know, what are they looking for? You know, money isn't always what makes employees happy. Right. So, you know, first of all, they want to work for a good manager. So are you doing management training? Are you doing employee training to give them the tools to be successful? Are you reinvesting in your yeah. employees, because they see that, they feel that, and they want that. The younger generations, hands down, will say, I want training and time off. Yes, I want to make a good salary, but I want training and time off equal to or above their salary. Those are things that a really yeah. strong HR function can help you with and not break your bank. I, I, I can't help but so, I probably overuse sports metaphors here. So some are going to love this. Some are going to hate this probably. But if you, if you think about sports, <laughs> teams, and, I love and, it. And, and business is a performance, right? It, it, you're, you're trying to grow, get better, beat the competition in a healthy, ethical way within the rules, right? There's, the the metaphor is pretty, pretty sound, right? Your yeah. greatest athletes frequently will take a pay cut to go be on a team that they think has a chance at winning the title because they want to be part of something. Right. And then right. free agents, right. the best athletes on bad teams, they go to the marketplace to the highest bidder. Right. And so both of those things coexist that, uh, I think, I think we would guide people. You have to be smart about compensation. You can't just, you can't not, you can't cons consistently pay people under market value for a long period of time. But the things you just said, Am I, am I getting education? Why? Because I'm developing so that I see myself, you know, here I am today, but this is where I'm going to be tomorrow with that education, right? Am I part of something? Is there a mission? Uh, do I have purpose in what I'm doing? Those things, they do matter more than comp in and of itself, but it's all part, of, part, of, a complex yeah. part of the equation. <laughs> And that's a, that's across generations, right? So we had an employer that had a high turnover rate um, and they were like, oh, I guess I just have to pay more money. And I said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> let's approach this strategically. Number one, let's start doing exit interviews. You're assuming they're leaving for money because you know you pay less than market because we did salary benchmarking and that showed that information, right? But let's not make assumptions. That is never a smart thing to do. So we started doing exit interviews. Lo and behold, there was one manager. It wasn't a big organization, Mike. They had like 30 employees. But there was one manager on the manufacturing floor who, you know, when it came to, you know, working with me, he sounded pretty good. When he working with the owner, he sounded pretty good, but he wasn't talking to the employees respectfully, professionally, right? And so my question to the employer is, 
when's the last time you did management training? When's the last time you did executive coaching with somebody that right. you hear there's a problem with and they're like, right. uh, and the answer is never, right? So easy, relatively easy fix, right? So those things take time, right? And we can't expect our managers to treat our employees properly if we don't train them and give them expectations, right? We can't, you know, ma wave a magic wand and go, Mike, you're a manager now. You did really good, you know, on the, you know, on the uh, assembly line. So now I'm going to, poof, you're a manager. No, we have to give the tools, the support, yeah. the skills, yeah. the training for them to be good. And, and, you know, you know, I get up on my soapbox a little bit about this, but these webinars are meant to show you, the employers, you need to do some planning on with your HR function going forward. And, and this is a big deal. Yeah. All right. The next one, um, some things that you can do previously controversial, maybe still controversial marijuana legalization, right? I remember being a young manager, 20 some years ago, I, I didn't follow HR's process that uh, I, I, I delivered a job offer. I had the guy start uh, on site and I didn't sequence the drug testing in time. He failed his drug test for marijuana. This is over 20 years ago. And I had to, had to let him go. The world has changed dramatically here. Some places it's actually illegal to do that. The legalization of marijuana at state versus federal. I think this is a Lots of opinions, but this is le legally a complex issue for employers. So, again, we're not taking any pro or con opinions here. What are the facts that employers need to understand around marijuana in drug testing, employment, yeah. et cetera? And when I start this topic with the employers that we support, um, they they get very confused, right? Because it is confusing. Uh, it's different in a lot of different states. It's still illegal federally, right? So it, it is confusing. But I just want to start off by saying your employees cannot come to work drunk. We all know that. And yeah. drinking is legal. So they cannot come to work uh, after marijuana use, stoned, whatever term you want to use yeah. as well. They cannot come to work impaired in any way. And that would include if they took a ton of cough medicine or another right. medication, right? Right. Um, right? Because we want them to be safe and everybody around them to be safe. And, and you know, that includes office jobs, right? So I just want to start with that because, you know, the employers that I work with, that's what they're like, wow, this guy's coming to work stoned, but, but marijuana is legal. And I'm like, hmm. Don't get confused. Can't come to work um, impaired. So right uh, now, there's about 22 the perfect states. Metaphor. Mary, uh, uh, Mary uh, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, I, just, I, I, love, I love that setup. It's like of, alcohol is legal, but would you, you would never tolerate an employee showing up drunk, right? So that I, right, I, I love, I love right. that approach. Yeah. Yeah. So there's about 22 states that have legal legalized recreational marijuana okay so when i'm talking about all this and i'm going to give you some state specifics i want you got the employers to understand a couple of things you need to look at your drug testing policy number one you need to look at your if you do drug testing which isn't mandated except uh for dot um 
positions, some DOT positions, uh, Department of Transportation positions. And I want you to think about what policy you want in your handbook. So I always think one of the value adds that we give employers is I'm always going to push compliance. Um, you know, you, you know that that's, you know, my middle name. But the other thing is best practices. What are the best practices, right? right? If you find, like one of my employers, that some of the workers at lunchtime were going out in the in the parking lot and smoking pot, um, that might be a policy that we might want to add to the handbook. And um, because if they were standing out there, just to give the analogy, and doing shots of tequila, we all know that that wouldn't be um, a good practice as well. Right. Right. So one of the things that some of the states are adding is lawful off duty conduct. So let me explain what that means. I'm going to go back to my alcohol um, comparison because, you know, it's, it, it, I think it's easy to understand. So New York State, as an example, has a lawful off duty conduct for alcohol consumption. Alcohol is legal. An employer should not be using an employee's lawful off-duty conduct of drinking, and I'll give you an example in a minute, um, to interfere with hiring or, or any employment action. So here's my example. Had an employer who had a couple instances of people drinking on the job. Happens all the time. I've been doing this for 30 years. Happens all the time. So he goes to hire a new person. You know, it's a big organization, right? They had about 500 employees, big manufacturing, bunch of different sites. They go to hire a new person and he tells his manager, hey, look them up on Facebook. See if you see anything out of the ordinary. And the person's Facebook page was, Drinking here, red solo cup here, you know, beer funnel here, right? Yeah. And the employer's like not hiring him based on 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 that reason, right? The manager, in his infinite wisdom, right, brand new employer to me because part of my interviewing training would shut this down right away. The manager's like, yeah, I really liked you for the job, but the owner saw you drinking on Facebook, so he's not hiring you. What do you think happened, right? That triggered litigation, right? That's yeah. a hard one, you know, um, something that the employer, you know, didn't want to learn the hard way, right? Yeah. So now some of the states where uh, marijuana is legal is are saying the same thing. So, you know, you might say, well, Mary, we don't look at social media when we're hiring an, an employee, right? Um, but the person may offer that information, you know? Um, you know, I again, in interviewing training, I'm going to steer you away from questions like, well, what do you like to do on the weekends? Because it has nothing to do with <laughs> how yeah. well their skills are aligned to the position you have. But some managers may ask that and the employee might say, really like to get stoned and play video games because it's legal. 
you know, in, in yeah. that particular state. Yeah. So the, there's many states that are coming up with that, those types of laws. Um, and there, you know, is also some legislation with President Biden um, to review the classification of marijuana as a Schedule One drug, which, you know, right. not here to go into details on that, but there probably will be changes coming forward. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, on a again, federal, on again, a federal level. Yeah, again, this, this is not a political topic because whether you're for or against or which administration, which color party, doesn't matter. The 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 sea change is clear, right? States are moving this direction, society's moving this direction. So uh, the thing I always kind of back into is whenever you have, whether it's whether it's a, if an employer is afraid of a union, they're afraid of uh, what do I do around marijuana? The more you can ground yourself in great job descriptions, where you identify yeah. the competencies required to fulfill jobs. That way you're hiring based on these competencies. It helps to remove so much this gray speculative area, right? And that way your whole performance management process, your compensation process, is all tied to these competencies that are backed into job descriptions. And it just helps to kind of remove some of the mystery here. Couldn't agree more. Job description, in my mind, employee handbook and right behind it, job description, two of the most important documents that an employer can have. So it goes a little bit more. I, I want em employers to understand sort of all of the ramifications around marijuana legalization. So the, those the states right now that have the off-duty marijuana use um, is New Jersey, Nevada, Rhode Island, uh, Montana, and New York, and California will have it in 2024. But additionally, there are some uh, municipalities, actually some cities, that prohibit pre-employment testing for marijuana, except where it's safety-sensitive positions or DOT drivers, right? And that's New York City, no surprise there, and Philadelphia. And, you know, as always, when I, you know, tell you about the states where it is right now, if you're not in those states or don't have employees in those states, I just want you to be aware of it because even if that law hasn't hit your city, your state, I guarantee you that if it exists in another law and you are challenged because you didn't hire anybody doing pre-employment testing for marijuana and you're in a state where it's legalized, you'll probably have a difficult time with that holding up. So in New York City and Philadelphia, it's got to come off the test strip uh, for pre-employment testing. But the um, I just want the other states to be aware of it, to, to know that this is out there and that it might get expanded. So pay attention yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is something we, we have to take seriously. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's move to our next one, and this is this is kind of interesting. There's we we don't want to talk a lot about this that we've we've mentioned in the past several months, but um, there are more states that are adopting uh, state retirement savings programs, right? Um, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, what, so so what is so? I think there are 
maybe informa- there's information probably shared what specific states, states states are doing what, but maybe could before we even go into the specifics, can you just kind of share what what is this mega trend that you're seeing in quote unquote HR around employee savings? Yeah. So it's actually a really positive trend for some of our smaller employers. And the reason for that is because right now, you know, New York and California are kind of leading this. um, And there's a couple other states we'll we'll talk about. But the state is offering a savings plan as well, um, which is really cost effective um, for the smaller employers who may have said, well, I don't have a 401k. I only have 15 employees. Um, But now if you're in those states um, and we'll talk about where it's expanding, that is great. And if it was me, that's again, that's a benefit. You know, going back to the employers who say to me, I'm too small for for HR. You might not know about some of these great things that you can tell your employees about and get the credit for it, right? Because the employees (laughs) wouldn't know if you didn't tell them. And, you know, we're always guiding the employers. Let me help you through this process. Sometimes the states don't make it, you know, super easy. So I really think that this is a positive for the smaller companies. Look, the bigger companies have been offering 401ks um, or other types of savings plans, you know, for the for the nonprofits out there. But I think this is a this is a really great thing. You know, there, you know, the states where it's a little bit in flux: New Jersey, New York. Virginia, Delaware, Hawaii, um, which was a little surprising to me, um, and Maryland. Um, California has it in effect right now for five or more employees, and they're changing it um, to one plus employees in 2025. So that's a big deal. That means that pretty much any employer, right? Because you wouldn't be an employer if you didn't have one or more employees. Um, You you have to either provide your own savings plan, i.e. a 401k, et cetera, or have your employees enroll in the California state uh, plan. Again, I think that's really good news for small employers. Can you just talk about how that works? Uh, So so we're not talking about... Historically, you, you think about 401ks as private money, right? Uh, and you, you know, think about Social Security as uh, uh, mandated, right? So Social Security, it's auto deduct, it's a tax, it comes out of the payroll, uh, uh, employer and employee to fund, uh, you know, retirement, right? Or a portion of a portion of retirement. 401k is has always been the, the the private sector. So there's been this, you know. He did debate for call it fifty years, uh, right, know, right, left and right on which how, how much you should lean on one side versus the other. It, what specifically does like the? I know they're all a little bit unique. What specifically does does this do? This is four hundred one k, but it's state sponsored ish, right? Yeah. So honestly, to go into detail about each of these plans would take us another five hours, yeah. um, but. But, you know, I think employers need to be preemptive here, right? That's the whole point is be preemptive, 
look into this, seek advice, um, you know, because we are, you know, on this with all of our employers in these states, because, of course, we know whether they have a 401k or not. And if they don't, you know, we're jointly looking at these plans um, and helping them with it. Right. So some of the things for 2023, Connecticut had it in effect, but it was 26. I don't know. It seems like a random number or more employees. And in 2023, in March of this year, they're lowering that to five plus employees. So this, the states that have it, Illinois, same thing. They're going from 16 or more employees to five or more employees. Oregon is five or more and going to one in, or more in 2023. And Colorado um, is sort of starting it, started it last year, and you have to be in full compliance this year. So it's a big year for all of those states, Connecticut, Illinois, Oregon, and Colorado. Big deal, right? Employers yeah. really need to get on this right away. And it is and it is a really good thing because if they don't offer it, those states are offering um, a plan. You know, we, we everybody always talks about, is Social Security going to be enough in the future? And I think the consensus here is no. And that's why the right. trend is, I believe, um, again, this is just conjecture. That's why the movement towards these. And I'll even go one step further in um, that the Federal Secure 2.0 Act um, was passed by Congress at the right. end of last year, around the holidays. Uh, and Biden's supposed to sign it quickly. And that will have even bigger federal implications on retirement benefits. So much more to come on this. I think employers need to you know, pay attention to what are they offering, even if you're outside of these states, because there will be something federally coming down the pike in 2023. Yeah, uh, this is exciting, I, I think, because um, this satisfies yeah, me. This satisfies the desires of both ends of the political spectrum, right? So, uh, not because it, it, it's it's a way for traditional four hundred one ks in the it, it, to, to to to. But if you're a small business, let me back up. If you're a big business, you offer retirement plans, right? Whether whether it's a, an old school pension or four hundred one k. If you don't, you're not going to be competitive right. in the marketplace. Most right. small employers, they're not thinking, oh, I don't want to do a 401k. They're just thinking it's too complex. I don't have time and I and I can't afford the expense of the third party administration that's involved with it. I don't even know where to start. Right. It's not that we have a right. bunch of small employers that are saying, hey, I'm anti 401k. So here are right. states saying they're basically going to take over the, the TPA, the third party administration and set up so your employees can voluntarily contribute and participate in a 401k. So to me, this is that's right. I don't know how you how you criticize this. This this is a this is a win for employers. The ones that are take advantage of it earlier than their competitors will have a competitive advantage for recruiting talent. And this is obviously just a win for employees to being able to save for retirement uh, and have a vehicle beyond uh, Social Security. So very good. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, last one. Uh, yeah. This is something we talk a lot about, but it's so nuanced. There's so many flavors, uh, but just changes in paid sick leave. Uh, uh, 
more and more uh, states are adopting their own leave types. Um, and, and the important word here is paid, right? So yes. employers, yes. if Th- you that's- are not aware, if, if you live in a state that is mandating that you pay employees when they're not working for whether it's maternity, bereavement, or generic PTO, it's the flavors are kind of all over the place here. But by gosh, you better know it yeah. because this is going to have a real impact on your business. So what, what can you tell us about it, Mary? It will. And, and I like that you said the difference is paid. So um, we all know that federally we have the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA. Right. Um, and it's for employers are 50 with 50 or more employees. And although it's job protected, as most of the leaves that we're going to talk about here are, um, and that's a big differentiator, right? So, so, so understand that most of these leaves are job protected. What does that mean? That means that if Mike goes out on the leaves that I'm going to talk about in a minute, just like if Mike went out on FMLA, his job is protected. He comes back and there's, you know, a a couple of nuances here that we won't get into, but in most cases, Mike should come back to the same or a similar position. And so when we talk about these leaves, what some of the states have done is said, all right, you got FMLA out there, but what about smaller employers when somebody has a baby, adopts a child, et cetera? So many of the states have come out with their own paid family and medical leave. And like you said, Mike, paid is the pivotal word, but most of these leaves in most of these states. So in 2023, besides the 11 states that have it right now, plus DC, Oregon, Colorado, and Maryland are going to be added to this list. So let's just talk about this uh, for a minute. You've got a couple different leaves, right? So you mentioned paid sick leave. There's also 15 states with paid sick leave, right? So what do I want employers to prepare for? I need you to go to your handbook, give me a call and say, Mary, what do I have to change? What you can't do is say, okay, my state has both that paid family leave and the paid sick leave. And altogether, that equals, I'm just going to use an arbitrary number, 15 days off. And when I look at my handbook, I give my employees 15 days off. I'm all good. No, you are not. (laughs) Um, What you need to do is you need to put parameters around when they can take the leave in, in, you know, conjunction with what the law states, why they can take it. In some instances, some of those paid leaves say you do not ask for a doctor's note within the first couple of days because they may be a paid slash um, a sick slash, you know, uh, other type of leave. Right. And if they're taking time off, let's say, for human being a victim of human trafficking or or um, being abused, you're not allowed they don't want the employer to know about that, right. right? Right. So there is so much that employers need to prep for here. 
you, you know, we're looking at the handbook with our employers every single year, but these laws don't always just pop up in January, right? And some of the laws, you know, that go into effect in 2023 are not going to change. Um, but you need to educate your managers, your HR staff, your employees. You need to change the handbook and you need to um, probably uh, change your postings, right? Because if this is new, there will be a posting requirement most likely. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that needs to be added to your posting. Yeah, you you beat me to the punch, Mary. I because I, I I feel like there's there, there's two big things here. One is the leave type itself, in whatever state you're in. By gosh, you you got to know the law here because this is this could really impact your bottom line if you now have to pay people for leave when they're, when they're not working. That's that's a, that could could be a real cost to you. But then I think just as important, yes. number two. And you and you and you expanded much better than me, but it's the having the employee handbooks that understand this and explain the sequencing and overlap or lack thereof of leave types. So you might think, oh, correct, this law just passed, no big deal because I already give two weeks of PTO to all my employees because I'm such a great employer. Uh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Because you're thinking they are sequential, or they could coincide together, and that those maybe five days of state-sponsored are five days of your PTO. But when in fact the law might say it's your two weeks plus those five, you just have three weeks of paid leave, and you're not, and you're none the wiser. So you've, you've got to understand right. the nuance and of you, not you, just. You, Go ahead. You do. You do, and and don't forget, some of these leaves are going to be partially paid by the employee and partially paid by you. Some are partially paid by you and the state. So it, it's not always, you know, a hardship to the employer. Um, so, you know, you need some explanation. And what I what I always try to say to the employers that I that I assist is, listen, you need to be aware of it. Don't don't waste one brain cell on figuring out how this is done. Just call me because we're doing it for hundreds of employers. We yeah. got this right. Yes. This is yes. a big deal. It has to be dealt with with an expert. And I would say even the HR professionals that I work with, it, it's worth seeing. Most of these laws will give you a little latitude, right? Are you counting their time off like FMLA? Are you doing it annually? Are you doing a rolling year? Are you doing a look back, a look forward? They give you options. That That's worth a discussion with a professional to help you figure out what's best for you, for your organization, yeah. your your employees. Yeah, very good. Very good. Mary, I think I'm going to use that There's as a, a stopping point. Stuff. We have six more topics Uh I think we'll break this into a, a, a part two. Uh, lots of changes, uh, clearly, between the economy, the, the labor, the workforce, the labor participation rates within that workforce. Uh, how is technology uh, disrupting productivity in the workforce uh, in this, this massive change where s states and municipalities are starting to adopt their own unique versions of what was previously uh, uh, federal laws. 
the the landscape from an HR perspective is just changing so fast. Uh, these are the big ones that we got to stay ahead of. So uh, thank you for today and really looking forward to next week's conversation where we unpack the other six major changes that we don't want uh, employers to get caught flat-footed on. Thanks, Mike. All right. Until, everyone, until next week, everybody. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront cost and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit AssureSoftware.com.